and welcome to Endpoint Management Today. My name is Rhonda Student-Kaiser, and I'm the Director of Customer Experience for BigFix. I am James Stewart, BigFix Python expert. Today, we are sharing a new type of podcast with you, our listeners. This is the first of our BigFix Best Practices podcasts. The Big Fix Best Practice podcast series brings the best minds at BigFix to your ears to teach you about how to get the most out of your BigFix investment. This episode is the first of a series on how to optimize your BigFix relay infrastructure. We are starting at the beginning, so dive in for refresher topics or to find out about what you might be missing, even if you are a seasoned pro. So with us today are uh, Joe Saylor, who is one of our Big Fix Senior AVP leads. Uh, Joe, can you say hi and tell us what AVP stands for? Hey, all, this is Joe Saylor. Uh, I'm with the Accelerated Value Program. Uh, we do advanced long-term engagements with our customers for uh, content generation, architecture, and other support options. And we also have Jason Walker, who is part of our Big Fix Professional Services team. He's one of our chief technical gurus, and you will find him out on our Big Fix forum and Slack answering all of your questions. Uh, hey, Jason, how's it going? It's going very well. Uh, Jason Walker here with the Big Fix Services team. Uh, thanks very much for the invitation, and I'm excited to be here. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Big Fix Relays 101 and getting started with relays. So who does this apply to? We really think that this applies to someone who wants to learn about Big Fix Relays for the first time and who are interested in figuring out how they work and why we use them, but also an interesting refresher to someone who's more seasoned before moving on to advanced topics in future episodes. Look in our podcast show notes for the link to the Big Fix Capacity and Planning Guide, which has relay information in it, as well as other resources that we will link there as well. All right, so let's dive in. So Joe, can you tell us basically at the high level what, what relays do? Sure thing. Uh, so at a very high level, the relay acts almost exactly like a stripped down mirror of the Big Fix server. Uh, so it does things like notifies clients that there is new updated content available to it. Uh, it will serve those clients' commands, such as uh, action content or new fixlets or new analyses. Uh, it will download files to those endpoints, uh, and it will receive reports from those endpoints as well. Uh, notification happens over UDP, uh, and this is really the core of how the BigFix server communicates with all of its endpoints. So Jason, what is a big fix relay? Uh, well, a, a relay is mostly a way of tuning your traffic and your bandwidth and your communication between the clients and the servers. Uh, there, there are basically three reasons you would have relays. Uh, the, the first would be to reduce the workload on your big fix server itself, because you can have the relays take over some of that processing. Uh, you can reduce your bandwidth across links. You know, if you have clients in two different sites, uh, you can reduce things like the number of patches that have to be downloaded across the WAN, because once a patch is downloaded, that, that relay will cache it. Uh, and you can also enhance the security on your root server, uh, because you don't have to have all of your clients reaching out to the root server itself over the network. Uh, so the those are basically the three operational scenarios where you want to have relays. So what are the mechanics of how the relay reduces the workload on the root server? Uh, well, big fix clients, uh, when they're, for instance, when they're posting reports and telling the, the server about all their properties and their, you know, what patches are missing, what fixlets are relevant, 
those are a lot of very small reports. And uh, there's some overhead in setting up a network session between the client and the server to process that. And the server has to take those, those reports and insert them into the database, act on them in some way. Uh, well, one of the things that the relay can do in that reporting is to batch up those reports from a bunch of different clients into one larger package. And that can be processed more efficiently at the server. Um, so, you know, you can have the server insert a smaller set of large reports instead of thousands and thousands of tiny reports. And that, that reduces, uh, uh, in particular, FillDB on the root server. Cool. Does that help with reducing um, network bandwidth as well? Um, and does it really help us with that? Uh, well, with the network bandwidth, uh, it, it does help a bit. Uh, but there we're looking more at patch downloads. Uh, in a big fix system, the clients generally uh, don't go out to the internet to download their patches. They ask the root server to download patches for them. And those patches get cached uh, on the root server. Now, if you have clients in two different sites, uh, having every client go to the root server to pull down a patch can end up in a case where you're, you know, you're pulling the same patch over a WAN link for every client. Uh, but if you stick a relay in that remote site that's closer to the clients, the relay will download that patch once, and then it can serve that same patch out to all of the clients on its network that need that patch, and so you don't have to download that multiple times over a WAN link. Uh, that can be a huge bandwidth savings. Wow, that's cool. And then does it also help with um, securing the root server? I think you can, maybe I answered that a little bit, but maybe you can go into that in a little bit more detail. Sure. So, um, you know, isolating the root server, uh, keeping firewalls in front of it is a great idea from a security perspective. Uh, just reducing the attack surface of your, your network as a whole. Uh, so it, in a lot of places, it's, it's very helpful to not allow all of your clients to reach the root server. Uh, so instead of having every client connecting across sites, across WAN links, over VPNs, or, or over the internet directly to the root server, instead you can point those clients to relays that are closer to them. Uh, so it's much easier to monitor your server for anything that uh, looks out of the ordinary or suspicious. Um, it also, as a side effect, prevents you from... Uh, being able to connect and take actions from anywhere over the network. Uh, because uh, a relay is a, a read-only sort of caching, uh, almost a proxy to the root server. Uh, so this allows you to have a client that can connect to your big fix infrastructure, report missing patches or, or properties, and, and take actions and download and run patches. Uh, but those same machines do not have the ability to connect to your root server uh, or run a console or take API actions or anything along those lines. You can keep your root server completely isolated from your clients if you need to. So Joe, what makes the communication between the root server, the relays, and the client secure? What prevents anything from getting in the middle and making changes? Yeah, sure. So uh, security is really a foundational principle of the BigFix platform. Uh, all content that is sent out to clients or anything that a client attempts to read is signed by the server's private key. Uh, so this includes any 
read-only kind of fixlet or analysis property content, uh, as well as actions that a client will uh, attempt to take any sort of uh, active action on. Uh, so no client will do anything at all with any content that has not been signed by the server's private key. And what about the file downloads? Yeah, so so in addition, the file downloads uh, at every stage of the data transfer process are hashed with uh, SHA-1 and SHA-2 algorithms uh, and are rejected if they do not match what's uh, specified in the signed content that the client or relay is attempting to run. I want to make another note here that um, we have additional uh, advanced configurations that we'll be talking about in future podcasts for uh, relay authentication. Uh, authentication is a thing that forces relays to ignore any requests for data from clients or internet connections that do not have a pre-authorized certificate. Oh, that's very cool. So, Joe, um, how many relays should you know should somebody have? Yeah, there are a lot of considerations there. Um, probably one of the most basic concepts for our relay architecture is that you should have a top-level relay. Uh, the top-level relay acts as a uh, flow a flow choke point for all data transmissions to the root servers, so that you don't have clients directly talking to it and maybe causing yourself a problem uh, in terms of like maybe a unintentional denial of service attack against yourself uh, on your root server that's trying to do all sorts of other activities. Uh, so a top-level relay um, is probably the very first thing you should have. Um, very small implementations may be okay with just that single relay. One other major consideration is your locations. Uh, so for each geographical location, you'll want to have a minimum of one relay at each of those places. Uh, this is what does all of that lovely bandwidth saving stuff that Jason talked about earlier by allowing just a single transmission of command data from your top-level relay to that a geographically located relay. Uh, and then from there, it repeats it to all of the clients at its at its physical location. In a future episode, we will be talking about advanced configurations for smaller locations that you may not want to place a whole server at. Um, there are options available to take advantage of some platform bandwidth savings uh, without having the server hardware in place. Does it matter how many, or did we talk about this? How many clients? I mean, does it matter? You talked about top-level relay. You talked about location-based. But what about how many endpoints you're actually trying to manage? Sure. So a stock relay with absolute minimum amounts of hardware. Um, these are very lightweight systems, uh, you know, one to two CPU or uh, just a few hundred megabytes of RAM. Uh, at that level of performance, you can expect about 1,000 clients uh, to happily report up to each of these relays. Uh, a more uh, robustly provisioned piece of hardware uh, will be able to handle up to about 5,000 clients per relay. Uh, in addition, each of the top-level relays uh, can expect to handle about 50,000 total descendant clients under it. Uh, that isn't to say direct client reports, but uh, the total amount of clients underneath its child relays. Uh, and in a future podcast, we will have more information on tuning those relays to perform at and above that 5,000 client level, um, as well as you know specifics on uh, OS tuning for top-level relays. All right. And Jason, um, 
So I imagine there's some magic that happens in the background that says, hey, I'm a client. I need to talk to Big Fix. Um, how do endpoints find a relay and how do they select the best option? So there, there are basically two ways that a client will find a relay and uh, select it to be the, the relay that that client's going to use. Uh, the simplest uh, in terms of, you know, just algorithm complexity on the client is what we call manual selection. And that is literally you going into the console and selecting a bunch of computers and right-clicking them and telling them to go use this relay. Um, that is okay at really small scales, but at larger scales, uh, it can be kind of hard to decide what relay a client should use and for some administrator to keep track of that. Uh, so I'm a big fan of automatic relay selection, and I try to use that pretty much everywhere that we can. Um, with automatic relay selection, uh, what happens is that the client already knows a list of all the relays that uh, exist in the deployment, and it will just try each of those relays, and it will determine which one, which relay is closest to the client uh, over the network. It does that by sending uh, ICMP ping requests to every relay. And it starts off those pings with a really short time to live. So you know, the first time it tries the relays will only cross one router. Uh, and if a relay responds, we select that. That's our automatic relay. We pick the first that answers. Uh, and if we don't get a response, we start sending a uh, an increasing sequence of pings that will cross further hop counts across the network until we do find a relay. Um, and uh, that allows the client to pick automatically the relay that is closest to it on the network without uh, an administrator really having to keep track of which clients are in which site and which relays are in that site with the client. And it's just kind of magic that happens on its own. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, of automatic relay select. Um, now, you know, th there are situations where, where that can get more complex. If you have a client that's crossing a VPN link between one site to another, uh, that VPN can hide the number of hops that really exist between a client and a relay. Uh, so we have some advanced tuning configurations that you can use in those situations where you need to. Uh, if automatic selection is not giving you the, the most optimum relay, uh, we have a lot of uh, settings and configuration options that you can use to tune how that uh, automatic selection happens. Uh, and we're going to go into a lot more detail on that in one of the follow-up podcasts for this one. That was a very popular topic when it came to uh, people working from home uh, pretty significantly uh recently that to ha have people implement vpn specific relays and to kind of corral that traffic and handle it better right there were a lot of considerations in work from home um, in particular whether you want all of those downloads from big fix to go across the vpn link or whether you want those to go outside of the vpn link and and hit uh your internet DMZ relays, or whether you want the clients to, to not download from the relay at all, and maybe you want your patch to go directly from Microsoft to the client or from Apple to the client without crossing the relays at all and keeping that traffic off your, your uh, 
firewall and off your border gateways when it doesn't really need to cross that. Uh, so yeah. yeah, a lot of advanced download options that uh, we're going to get all into that in the next couple of podcasts. Yeah, it suddenly adds a lot of complexity, but a lot of that complexity actually comes from the network itself and the um, oddities of the network uh, and what it requires. Are there any, did we miss anything? I think we got everything right. Well, <laughs> everything that we want to cover today, more. right? <laughs> there, there's a lot more, uh, but we were just going to scratch the surface today and, and lay some groundwork for the, the following podcast. We're going to talk about uh, selection tuning and client settings and bandwidth throttling and all sorts of neat stuff coming up. Uh, but I think we've uh, covered what we wanted today. Uh, and we're going to uh, be able to use this as, as a foundation for the next couple of podcasts where we're going to get into some real juicy details. Thank you very much for joining us, Jason and Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. So for our next episode, Relays 201, we're going to talk more about the advanced relay topics that Jason just mentioned. Uh, check the show notes for links to relay documentation and resources. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us today on Endpoint Management Today. Uh, this podcast is the brainchild of James and myself. Um, we do our best to edit it, but we know sometimes mistakes sneak through, but we do our best. Um, original music for our podcast is from Dan Corcoran, Big Fix Specialist. 